All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Everybody, welcome to Dropping the Gloves with John Scott, Tim Warsberger, and the only guy I think I was ever scared to fight, George LaRock. Georgie boy, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, guys. How's everyone doing tonight? We are doing well. Tim, how are you doing? I'm doing fine. Now, George, Tim, last episode, he dropped some serious news on us. He, he's got COVID right now. Tim does. No way. Yeah. How are you feeling, Tim? I feel okay. I just, I'm tired. Uh, that's been the biggest thing. I had some symptoms over the weekend, but the biggest thing now is just low energy. You had it about a year ago, right? You were the one of the first. Yeah, I know. And uh, actually, it was for two days, it was a, it was a bit rough because I have asthma and mm-hmm. I had a bit of fever. But after two days, I recovered well. And uh, four days after, I was uh, back home because I was at the hospital for the first two days and I was running on my treadmill four days later. So I recovered pretty fast. You guys are so – I've never gotten COVID. So does that make me better than you guys? <laughs> that means that you're a hermit and you stay at home and you don't do anything. <laughs> Not a chance. Not a chance. That's too funny. That's really good. But, no, you guys, you both have it. I think you both got the same symptoms. Looks like Tim's coming around the corner. You're training for a marathon, George. Like, yeah. tell us hey, about actually, that. Actually, why don't you join me? No. Because, oh, come on. John, you did a you did a half iron man. Yeah. We're about the same size. When I do a marathon, I'm the only elephant on the starting line, man. No. You could you're... join me. You could join me and then I, I don't feel so slow anymore because I'm alone when I run, man. Nobody runs with me because I'm too how, slow. How much do you weigh? Right now I'm two seventy five. We're the exact same weight. Okay. Um where, <laughs> when is the marathon? <laughs> In September. Where is it? In Montreal. How about you stay in my place and we do it together? Okay. We could hey, possibly be, come do on, this. That would be unbelievable, man. It would be I, unreal. You guys should make headlines for sure. Yes. You would have to run with me the whole time because I think you are a little more prepared than I am for this. Yeah, but you, you right now, like, you know, you, you're natural. So it, you have so many months to get ready. It, Do you that know, would be, man, you know how though. funny that would be? You know how funny, John, that would be? Me and you, like, during the marathon, people would be looking at us. They'd be like, so what are you guys doing, the 1K walk? No, we're doing the marathon, man. <laughs> because everybody on that line, they're all skinny, man. They look like they're 
the, the third of our size, man. It'll be the funniest thing ever. We we should if we do it go right to the front. Like all the serious runners come to the front. <laughs> you. Elbow your way through. We yeah. just start punching guys when they blow the horn. Yeah. <laughs> I'm serious. So if if you want to do that, let's look into figuring that out. Do I have to sign up for it? They already missed the, the, no, the I'm sign. I'm no, no, I'm, I'm signing you in. I'll, I'll take care of everything. You don't have to do anything. I'd have to buy I, running I'll, shoes. I'll, 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 I'll even buy you running shoes, man, if you win. I'll buy <laughs> you anything you 14 want. 14 and a half on my left and size 15 on my right. So Okay, I'll send you okay. a pair. No problem. Okay, let's talk after the show. Maybe we can make this happen. That's awesome, man. Good That'd morning. be fun. You're, you know what? You're the only retired guy that would ever accept a challenge like this. That means you're a real – you're a gamer, man. You're, I, that's, why I, you're, that's why you're an all-star, man. <laughs> that's why. That's why you're an all-star because – a challenge like this, you're not even scared. You're like, okay, George, I'm in. I just got to wrap my head around it, and I'll bring the family. I think it'll be fun. Yes. Does yes. that mean you're not going to do the half Ironman? Is the well, half I Ironman? Do, I, I think the marathon would take precedent over the half Ironman. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, back to the show. So, Tim – Tim and I were thinking about what we want to talk about. So you're crazy busy before the show. We we're talking about all these businesses you own. You're super busy. What is, what is the most fulfilling thing you've done post hockey? Cause you've done everything. Like what, yeah. what is the thing where you're like, Oh, this is great. This is, this is the thing I'm most proud of. Actually it's, it's my book. Cause I wrote uh, my own autobiography when I retired, uh, the story of the unlikeliest tough guy. Mm-hmm. And the reason why I wrote my autobi- autobiography is when I was a kid, and uh, I was I had to fight through racism to make the racism to make it to the NHL. And Jackie Robinson's book, uh, there was a kid's version of, of his biography that I read when I was a kid. And his book helped me uh, to fight through racism that I was facing when I was a child. And because this book gave me all the strength to fight through it to make it to the NHL, when I was a kid and I was dreaming of making it to the NHL, I was always like, if I ever make it, and I retire. When I retire, I'm going to write a book like Jackie to inspire other minorities to do so. So the fact that as soon as I retired, I wrote a book, became a bestseller, and I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, popular, also, I'm a popular public speaker about motivational speech and veganism and so many other things yeah. too. But this book uh, gives me a platform so I could talk to people and inspire them uh, and give them motivation to achieve their goals because what I've been through... Uh, if I was able to do what I've done in the NHL, playing there for 13 years, when my parents were born in Haiti, they didn't like hockey, didn't like the cold, and despite all the odds, I was able to be there, people could achieve anything. So uh, I love the fact that, yes, there's so many businesses that I have, but the one, that I, the one thing that I like the most is when I'm hired to do public speaking in front of groups and talk to people and inspire people, um, it's, it's just amazing. And, and I just love that people will be surprised to meet you face to face because I've never met you without a huge smile on your face. <laughs> it's, it's bizarre. Actually, I will say this. The first time I saw you was at the NHL meetings they did in Vegas. Yeah. And you, you were walking towards my wife and I, and I didn't know if you knew who I was and I was terrified of you. And we walked past you and I told my wife, I'm like, that was George rock. Like he is the scariest human on earth. And it, <laughs> That's the only time I was like, this guy is bad to the bone. But anyways, you mentioned fighting through racism and going through all that stuff. Did you talk to any of the guys when the league kind of had this referendum on racism and the, the whole movement that happened with um, 
Dumba and all those guys starting this. Um, I don't know what it's called, but were you a part yeah, of that? The, did you the, talk? No, with the, you're talking about the Aki Alliances. And stuff. Yes. Yeah. Uh, no, I'm actually part of the group with uh, Ensign Carter, uh, Ryan Reeves, uh, PK Subban. This, uh, and, and uh, you know, like uh, uh, the, the girls also uh, th- that plays hockey are in that group. And we're working with Kim Davis, Gary Bettman, uh, and Bill Daly. We're working with the NHL right now. to uh, uh, We're creating a group for inclusion and stuff uh, for uh, help fight the uh, fight for the equality for gender also for women. Yeah. And also for, for races and stuff, so for, for equality. So we're creating a, a process that uh, is going to be amazing. Uh, we'll be working with the league. We'll be working with teams to create an awesome program to make hockey more available for everyone and stuff. So we've, been, uh, we've, we've done so many calls so far, so many, we've worked on so many things so far, and uh, it's ongoing. And uh, in the next future, you guys should see some great stuff that will be uh, – We'll be doing all together, creating, and it's just awesome to see uh, that everybody's on board. Teams wants to be on board. The league wants to be on board to be making a difference. Uh, I just love it. Oh, George, you just make a difference everywhere you go. Honestly, <laughs> hey, but just... so hey. By the way, just so you know, John, I, there's one thing I have to admit. I was so happy when I played mini that enough to play against you and Bugard at the same time, because <laughs> my God. Every time I knew you were there in the farm team and, and, and I was always afraid every time I played you guys to see if both of you guys were going to be there and if I had to fight you and him, you know, in the same game. So I was so happy, man, when every time I look at that lineup that you weren't there yet because I was like, watch it with my luck. It's just going to be a matter of time. And those two guys, one after another, they'll go after me. No, you're so full of it. Hey, I'm serious. I swear. <laughs> Hey, are you, are you, John, it doesn't matter who you fight. You're always worried. I was always yeah. worried. There's nothing for granted. And you guys, with your size that you both had, my God, you, you outsize me. I know. You outsize me and you outreach me. So it doesn't matter. Like, I still was like, every time I, I, I mean, the night before, before I was playing Minnesota, I was afraid of Boogeyman, man. In a warm up, he would look at me the entire time. I was like, can you make it more obvious? He's going to ask you to go. Yeah, like, he's a terrifying I, human being. He he's scared yeah. of anybody. You, the <laughs> yeah. only guy you fought really who was my size was Mitch Fritz. Can you walk me through that? Because you remember him, the big old tall guy. He was he yes. was my height. Yeah, he wasn't a strong skater. Just what went on? Because everyone says that you lost that fight. He didn't punch you once. No, he didn't. The thing is, which is funny because it was Long Island. Uh, it was it wasn't Long Island. It was so nice, and he came. And, uh, you know, and I knew he was going to ask me to go, right? And uh, when uh, Dan Lacroix let him come on the ice with me and we fought, he had a long reach. So if you look at the fight, he never touches me. He didn't touch me once, not once. But people, the reason why they're saying that is because he looked mostly in control. He looked mostly the aggressor, but he didn't touch me. And actually, no word of a lie, you could even ask him. I got him once, pretty good in the face. He had to go for x-rays after he had a huge bulk in his face. Ask him. Yeah. Because after the game, I saw him. His face was all like, like he has a big, like, like, big, like, swelling face on his side. Yeah. And he went for x-rays. So I got him once. He didn't get me once. But I know when you look at it, it's tough to see with the replay because with his reach, I just, I just like, with my arms, I stay out of his reach and stuff. So he couldn't get me. 
but no, he never touched me once. So, but he still like with his reach and stuff for somebody with that size, you know, it's an advantage, right? But I also know that when you get to a guy that has a better reach than you, how to protect you. So I was pretty good at protecting myself also when I was getting into fights and stuff to make sure that, you know, you don't get hit while you try to hit guys, right? Because, you know, as much as it's entertaining to see guys going toe-to-toe, grabbing each other's, like, jerseys and punch you in the face one after another, you know, fighting, you're supposed to hit the other guy, not getting hit. So, see, uh, I, I liked when I would trade with guys. That's really? really? Yeah. Like, I don't know why I, I enjoyed fighting guys who would open up and we could just trade. Maybe because I had a longer reach and they weren't hitting me that hard. But guys like uh, Derek England or Matt Karkner or Frazier McLaren, um, those guys I loved fighting just because it was like, let's just see who can punch harder. And I, I, I wasn't afraid of that, but I, I don't know. I, I just, I don't know. I, I figured you'd be right in there because you were like the hardest puncher. Uh, Georgie, come on. I've seen you fight. Man, you weren't afraid to yeah. get hit. No, no, it's not that I was afraid to get hit. I just didn't like exchanging oh, in the face. Yeah. Because, you know, like, the thing is, is that you them, you know that when we fight heavyweights, man, they punch so hard that if somebody gets you it takes at the one. right spot, you yeah. go down. It only takes one. And once you get one, you don't know the damage that this could do. So with my reach and everything, you know, I always try to protect my head because I want to do this for a long time. And I didn't know, you know, you, you don't know how long it's going to be. Like, yeah. When I came in the league, like, I had to fight Probert, Tony Twist, like, like Grimson, all those guys that were killing guys. And I was coming in. I was a rookie and playing first year with no full face, man. And I was like, my God. So you look at these guys and you're like, how were they able to do it for so long, right? So, and you know that your health is so important because, you know, you're thinking about life after hockey, you're thinking about concussions, you're thinking about all these things. So that's why it's like, when I saw like guys like that were exchanging and taking so many blows to the face, I was like, you know, when I retired, I want to look like the elephant man and having to require so many surgery because you got so many cuts, right? Yeah. But, no, I just, the defense was so important. And at the same time, you know, I know because I'm, I'm, I was lefty and I was heavy, man, that was an advantage, you know, but uh, everybody was tough, man. Everybody was tough. Hey, by the way, is that your wife in the back? It is. Hi. Have you met my wife? Congratulations with all the work you're doing with the twins. That's amazing. Oh, thank you. Nice to meet you. I've nice to meet you. Yeah. yeah. Hey, congratulations. You have an all-star. You have, <laughs> I, I, that's amazing. I, I tell her every day, George. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> every time she opens her eyes, I'm like, must be nice waking up next to an all-star, eh, honey? <laughs> <laughs> But anyway, say, let's talk about, so you talk about fighting big guys, Probert and those guys. Oh, go ahead, Georgie. What is it? Just one thing I have to say. Yeah. I would trade, I would trade, I would give you a hundred of my NHL game in my career to trade, to play that one game you did in the All-Star game, man. Well, that's not that much of a trade. A (laughs) hundred regular season games for an All-Star game? Of course you're going to make that trade. Okay. Plus, plus. One time I went to the Stanley Cup final. How about the hat trick? How about the hat trick? What about the hat trick? Uh, No. (laughs) (laughs) How do you get a hat trick in the NHL? Break down how you get a hat trick because you probably only got, what, 12 shifts, 15 shifts? How does that happen? Okay. First of all, in my career, I take a lot of pride about the fact that I average like nine minutes a game. 
Yeah. So I was playing. I was playing regularly, and without that, there's no. I think. I think that game I played over ten minutes or something. So I was playing lots. And and in Edmonton, the way that the team was is that if I was going to make that team is to be a regular, and we played four line teams. So I was pretty happy about that. And the hat trick, man, February twenty first, two thousand against LA in Edmonton. I got two goals and a fight that game. I fought Steve McKenna. Mm. So, by the way, a George Rock hat trick is, a, is, a, is three goals in a fight. If you want to have a George Rock hat trick, <laughs> you got to have a fight in it. So, I have two goals. There's a minute left in a game, and uh, the crowd is changing my name to go out there because they're pulling out the goalie. And, you know, Kevin Lowe goes to me. He's like, sorry, George, I got to put the defensive unit out there. And I was like, damn, man, that was my chance getting the hat trick. So, you know, the only other, other times I would get it is playing PlayStation, right? So, <laughs> Yanni Ninema scored on a empty netter. There's 25 seconds left in the game, and my line goes back out there. The game is done, and I'm like, well, it's okay. I'm probably going to get first stars anyway. It's 5-3 for us. The game is done. The puck goes in the offensive hand, and again, there's 20 seconds left now. And then, I don't know why, but Jim Dowd gets the puck sideboard, and he gives it to me. I'm in a high slot. Aki Bird's in front of me. I do a spinorama with the puck, which I've never was able to do after that. And I'm in front of the goalie. Stefan Fizet, I do a backhand and I scored. The, the fact that there was no time left and I scored, I skated as fast as McDavid to the bench because I, I couldn't <laughs> believe, I couldn't believe that I got a hat trick. I was like, what, did, what were the chance that w- that was going to happen? And man, like, it, it was insane. And, and then, you know, people threw their hats on the ice. Wayne called me in a dress room. He said I needed 49 more to break his record. <laughs> it, 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 was, it was a night that I'll never forget, man, because Tough guys are not supposed to get hat tricks, and uh, it's crazy because I, I had eight other two, eight other games in the NHL that had two goals, and I could have had another hat trick. And I was thinking about it again to tell Wayne, I only need forty eight more to get your record, but <laughs> no, I, uh, I I couldn't get another one. But but at least I got one, and uh, you know I'm so happy because you know it's something that that I'll never forget, and I love when people don't believe me. Because I say, go to YouTube, man. It's That's on there. Awesome. You can see it. Ugh, I was watching cool. it earlier. It's a pretty goal. I don't think I'd seen the highlights before. That third one. Yeah, but yeah, but you know, yeah, but yeah, but you know what, John? I didn't get a car. I didn't get a car for it for no. my hat trick. You don't get a car for a hat trick. <laughs> so I want to. Yeah. I want to ask about uh, the Penguins, right? So you you were on the team when Crosby and Malkin were rookies, nineteen, twenty, twenty-one years old. Uh, tell me a little bit about like what was how did you take your role in protecting them? What was your relationship like with them? And kind of like walk us through you know what it was like to kind of the, protecting those guys out there. Well, it's it's funny because when I went to the Penguins, I was in Phoenix just before, and our team was pretty much eliminated for playoff contention in December. So uh, I asked to be traded uh, j- just before the trade deadline, and because I had a no move clause, I got to pick where I wanted to go. So Calgary was in the mix. The team that wanted me to go there, uh, obviously Pittsburgh was one too. And I talked to Michel Terrien because I played for him, and uh, and and when I won the Memorial Cup in junior hockey, and it's like George, we need a guy like you. You know, Sid, best player in the world. He's there, Malkin. You got to give him some room. We could win the cup, and so yeah, I went there. I went there. Uh, you know, Michel convinced me to go there, and, and it was awesome to see Sid and Malkin play and. We made it to the Stanley Cup final that year. And, uh, but, you know, it wasn't the Penguins' year, but they were young and they're still learning and stuff. And it's funny because I became a free agent after that year that we uh, made it to the Stanley Cup finals. We lost to Detroit. 
And, you know, the, the, the Penguins were strapped for money in terms of cap space because, you know, because of Flurry, Crosby, Malkin, and Stahl, and all these guys. So they, 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 they wanted me to sign their three-year deal, but they can only give me $1 million a year. And, and because I was, like, in a 1.5 range with all the other teams I could sign with, and when you're a tough guy, you don't know how long your career is going to be, right? I had to maximize what, what I could do. And Sid, I remember what Sid came to me and was like, George, I promise you, if you stay with, with us, within three years, we're going to win the cup. Oh. And I signed in Montreal, and next year what happened? They won the cup. Do you remember, so, like, did, they, did those kids feel a lot of pressure, like the whole the city, the franchise, you know, depending on them? And did, and did you, like, and feel pressure in turn to keep those guys safe? No, because – my reputation was pretty good uh, when I was there. So guys would be honest against us. You know, people want people. They didn't do much when I played. After a while in the league, when I played teams, when I played guys, most of the guys in a warm up they come to me and they're like, "George, I promise you, I'll be quiet tonight. I'm not gonna hit anyone. Please don't don't ask me to go. Don't go after me. I won't do anything. I won't be taking liberty." Like guys would talk to me, and and I never embarrassed embarrassed guys that did that i would respect the fact that they didn't want to and at the same time i was relieved because i i, I know i wouldn't have to do it because the thing about fighting is like yeah it serves a purpose in terms of momentum and so many other things but also um you know like you also want to set the tone with that with physical play right and just to know that other guys respect you so much that they say you know what i'm not gonna hit anyone tonight uh it's a relief to know that that's how how highly they respect you and stuff. And right there, when you know your job is done and you could just worry about playing hockey and not thinking about fighting and stuff, to me, it was a nice mental break when I had that because, uh, man, fighting is like, I can't believe I did this for 13 years and I didn't go crazy because the anxiety of that is the hardest thing in the world because not knowing what's going to happen, when it's going to happen, who's going to be there, you know, all these things. It's so hard to explain to the everyday people that are listening to us talking about it because most people think that it's so easy. Go out there and you just go out there and fight. But man, you could actually die and it crosses your mind. And uh, everybody that did this job, I respect them so much because it's hard, man. It's not easy. And you have to be built totally differently to be able to do something like this because it, we're, we were animals, man. And that's what we have to do. And we have to win. We have to win to stay there. We have pressure to win. And millions of people watching and stuff. So uh, I respect everyone that did this job because it is the hardest job in professional sport. Yeah, as soon as you lose a couple fights, you, you're, you're, you're pretty much out the door because that, that factor is gone, that it factor. Guys aren't scared of you. They're not worried about losing a fight to you. The GMC, they're like, he's done. So you always have to win, you, especially guys like you and I who are supposed to be the biggest, baddest guys on the ice. If you yeah. lose a fight, it's like everybody's talking about it. Everybody and their brother, like, what happened? What happened? What happened? Like Colt Nor, he punched me in the stomach, and I lost my breath, and I went down on my knees, and everyone's like, oh. I'm like, he hit me in the stomach. Like, I don't know if that's like, counts as a win. I guess it does. <laughs> like, I, no, you know? I, remember, I remember that one, the body shot, because I was like, a body shot? Like, I know body shot hurts, but I was like, it's so rare that you saw guys do that, oh, right? It was the perfect timing where I, I was reaching for him or I was getting ready to throw a punch and 
you know when you lose your breath and you can't you like you can't breathe i was just like yeah. I was that and i was on my knees and of course classy colt nord is drills me another one in the ear and i look up at him, i'm like come on man <laughs> like stop <laughs> it's so funny but yeah. it, it kind of clicked what you were just talking about is like guys coming to you at the red line and say hey not tonight and change the way they game they they play their game people always ask me like why didn't you get more fights because I think the most fights I had in any one year was like 12 or 13. And I tell them, like, it's a, it's like a compliment to me when I only get in like 10 fights a year. Yeah. Because everyone's scared. And I played yeah. I played against all the toughest guys, and they were looking for quarters and scrums, and they didn't want to fight. It's because I'm doing my job. You know yeah. what? Like, and so everyone's like, oh, you, you didn't fight. You didn't do your job. I'm like, heck, yeah, I did my job. What, what people need to understand is guys like you that are so tough, if you only have to fight 10, 12 times, it's because you, people were afraid of you. If you have a tough guy that fights 40 times a year, that means that nobody's afraid to take liberty against that yeah. team because they know they're not going to get hurt fighting him. Yeah. But you, when you were there, and you, you were the toughest guy in the league. There's nobody close this to you. It's really easy. So, I was up there. <laughs> no, you were, the th- you were the toughest. You were alone. You were in another class. So no one wanted to fight you, man. You were totally alone. And because of that, you had so much room. Like, people knew. You were in Buffalo. Everybody was afraid of you. Everywhere you were, man, you were untouchable. And then because of that, you didn't have to fight that much. Because people, people were like, man, I don't want to deal with John Scott. Well, it's too you're tough. very you're kind. Too long. But it's true. You were. I what? feel like I played in a generation that I got lucky where there wasn't many guys who were super heavyweights. doesn't matter. You yeah, still wore you, the you, you played in a generation where you could go through a lineup and there was guys who were super heavyweights on every single team. Yeah, but like, but in your yeah, but in your generation, you were still the best in yeah. yours. Well, I'll I'll give you that. I was top two or three. Well, you like were when top you were, one. When you, you were, were playing, so let, okay, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> you're furry, when you were coming up with the Hamilton Bulldogs, you had a tough cat in your team, Dennis Bonby. Yes. Did you ever fight him, or did you ever talk to him? Like, did you ever I, take cues off of guys? Actually, I, it's it's funny because there was huge competition between me and him because. We both wanted to be the next top guy in Edmonton, right? Yeah. For the Edmonton Oilers. And he knew because I was drafted in the second round. You know, in hockey, there's a lot of politics with draft pick. If you draft in the second round, you have a better chance than somebody else, especially I was younger. So mm-hmm. uh, there was a lot of competition between me and him. And I remember we, we actually did fight once. Uh, I was, uh, he was in Pittsburgh. I was in Edmonton. And uh, I knew we were going to fight. We had to fight because <laughs> the, the right – we were such rival in the minors that I was always like, one day I'm going to play him and I'm going to kick the snot out of him. And I've always respected him because he was a great veteran and, and, and I learned a lot from him, but we had different style because, because his style, Dennis was like, he, he, he fought open. He was like, he, he fought everyone, man. He was, he loved it. He, it's all he talked about. He loved fighting way more than I did. Yeah. And, uh, you could actually see on YouTube the fight we had when I was with uh, when I was with Edmonton. It was with the Penguins, and uh, I'll just let you look at it to tell me what you think of it. <laughs> but I don't want to. I I I I read it because I respect him so much. I read it just not say what happened. No, so I think we wanna, all know what happened. So well, I don't how know. many fights did you lose in the NHL? Can you honestly say in okay, thirteen okay. years? Okay, I could I could say. Okay. To me, losing a fight means when you get into a fight with somebody and somebody 
knock you down or punch you more than you did or totally took advantage of you, like, yeah. like controlled you and stuff. Like, because I'm pretty sure I have a lot of draw, but, it, but when you talk about losing, there's actually one fight that would admit that I clearly lost. It's against Matt Johnson oh, when he was tough. in L.A. Oof. Matt Johnson in L.A., we fought in front of her bench, and he cut me with once. And I went on my knees, and I got right back up, but I was dazzled a bit. That, to me, was a clear loss. Yeah. And, and, and I feel for him now because I know he's struggling a bit. He's in, he's in Florida on the beach now and stuff. He's a homeless. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. that guy was tough as nail, man. And we had huge battle, me and him, all the time. But other than that, you could, you could pretty much let, show me any other fights, and I could, I could argue with you that if you thought that I lost, I would tell you why it was a draw. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's true. There, you were so hard to fight because you were so strong. I never, I never got, other than that time when I got knocked down and when I got back up, I never got handled, mishandled. I never got pummeled. I never got concussion. No guys ever controlled me. I never got, like, bloodied in the face. I never got stitches. I never got, a, I never got anything, ever. I always was in control. Always got the guy down after. Uh, never. And never got ragdolled, none of that stuff. I feel so lucky that uh, while I played in the NHL, it was like, I felt pretty lucky. And what's funny is that in the American Hockey League, in my first exhibition game, I got pummeled once by Rocky Thompson and once by Sasha Sasha Lakovic. (laughs) I thought Rocky Thompson. Oh, that's so funny. First exhibition game in American Hockey League, they got me. And I was like, Oh my God, that was embarrassing. Because I was like, man, how am I going to be a tough guy in the NHL if I can't even handle like guys in American Hockey League? So, those Rocky two guys, Thompson they, was a different, different breed. He was a weird guy. He was so strange. So, who but was, was the. But he was, but he was tough. He was very tough. Yeah. When I yeah. fought him, I was like, this guy is, he was scary. He looked like Brett the Hitman Hart with the long, <laughs> greasy yeah. black hair. He was the only yeah. guy who you could hear him coming from two zones away when he was trying to hit you because he <laughs> skated like, <gasps> I'm like, here comes Rocky, heads up. It's like he's all the way in the other zone. I'm like, okay, I got yeah. some time. Who was, <laughs> who, who was the strongest guy you ever fought? Because you were known for your strength. Was there a guy here yeah. like, man, this guy's thick, solid? Yeah. Brett Brashear. Donald Brashear was the strongest guy. Are you just saying that because he's black and you're just trying to be, you know, <laughs> no. black guys stick together? No, no. Let me because guess. Peter Worrell is tough too? Unbelievable, no, actually, George. Actually, actually, he's not the toughest guy that I fought, but he's the strongest. Physically, because the way Brash fought, he would – like, he would hold you tight. Brash didn't want to get hit. He was he a technically a style, good fighter, yeah. Yes. He had a style that he would smuggle you, try to hold you down the yeah. way that he fought. And until you were, like, cocooned in his arm, that's when he would start unleash. So he was pretty, pretty strong, like, physically. But the toughest guy that I fought is actually Bugard. Yeah. Bugard is the toughest guy that I fought. And the reason why I say that is because and it's crazy because I've always done well against him. But him, every time he fought, he tried to take your head off. Yeah. He was dangerous. He, he was actually killing guys. It, it was insane. Oh, he was ending and careers. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I remember when he broke uh, Todd's Fedorik's face and he needed, he became Robocop with metal plates in his face. We played him a couple games after that in Minnesota. And all the media came up to me in morning skate. They're like, so George, the, the boogeyman, what do you think of the boogeyman? And I was like, yeah, he's pretty tough, you think. So uh, you think uh, you guys going to have a go tonight? I was like, well, what do you think? So I was petrified, man. I didn't sleep for a week. Tell yeah, everyone your little game. Can you tell everyone your your thing you would do at pregame skate? I thought this was the most genius thing that you would do yeah. to try to get the other coaches yeah. to dress, dress I, somebody. Yeah, actually, uh, I didn't do it against Minnesota because it was too obvious that he was playing. But what I would do often is in a warm-up, coach to make, especially when we're at home, when we're the home team, they look at the lines, the lines in a warm-up to prepare the game plans and to write the lines that they're going to be playing against. So the extra guys, usually they don't get into a line and they stand the red line and stretch and you know they're not playing. So often what I would do is the extra guys that was there, I, I would tell them take my spot in a fourth line so then the team would think that I'm not playing and they wouldn't dress the tough guy. So because we have the last change, they can't put him back once I'm in. I did that many times, and it worked, man. It worked. <laughs> and when I saw that it worked, when I saw the lineup, I was so happy, man. I put a thousand money, a thousand bucks on the board for the winning goals, stuff like this, because I was so relieved. I was like, oh, my God, no fighting tonight. <laughs> but, but when I actually, that day that, that I was going to fight Boogie for the first time, I remember um, when we were practicing, I felt something watching me, and I was like, what's going on? And he was in the stands. He was looking at me. And he was looking at us practices like, my God, why is he looking at me for? I had the worst pregame skate ever. He was just looking at me. He was just staring at me during warm-up. During the practice, not even warm-up. And my God, I didn't eat anything, the pregame meal in the afternoon. I didn't sleep before the game. And when I got into the dressing room, my teammates were like, man, George, I wish I wasn't you tonight. <laughs> I don't, and I, that was nothing. And then I couldn't show them that I was scared. I'd laugh it off. I was like, oh, guys, no big deal. But I was petrified. But I can't show them that I'm scared. Otherwise, it'd be even worse. Yeah. And then we had the face-off where he uh, is in front of me. And uh, we, we know we're going. And, uh, yeah, and I did pretty good. I, I kind of one-punched him. And, uh Yeah. And after that, we fought so many times. There's another time I fought him in, uh, in, with the Coyotes, and uh, he missed a couple weeks after because he got a high ankle sprain the way he went down when I got him. And, uh, yeah, I always did good against him. But every time, man, there's one of his punches that he would throw that I would barely just miss. And, and, and I was thinking about you, actually, because I thought when he got hurt with the high ankle sprain, I was going to see you next because we played you guys another time, but you weren't there. And I was happy that you went there because I was like, man, that guy is tall. And I, I, I'm always wondering if you were going to avenge him uh, once, uh, yeah, once I was I, playing I, and he wasn't there. I honestly wanted to. I, they never dressed me for some odd reason. The one thing I will say, Boogie was super tough. I had better balance than he did. And we would wrestle. We would grapple and stuff. And we'd, we'd kind of throw each other around. He was a much harder puncher. 
but I, I had a better bottom core. So that would, that, that you was, guys, you guys, fought, you guys fought for fun. You guys fought for fun. Oh yeah. All the time. We used to train together in the summer and fight all the time. Wow. Yeah. Like for years and years and years. So that's that. He kind of took me under his wing and taught me how to, you know, handle myself as a big guy. But, 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 but you guys played together, didn't you? Some games. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Man. Hey, how quiet was the other team? It was pretty funny when we would get up a goal and that's usually when the other team's tough guy would like start stuff and yeah. they were just, they would nowhere to be found. I remember we played really? Vancouver. <laughs> we played Vancouver. We were up by two and they were one of our biggest rivals and they had Darcy Hortichuk and Darcy lines up. And he's like, geez. And me and Boogie were sitting right next to each other. because it was at the D zone. And he's like, I guess I got to fight one of you guys. <laughs> and Boogie's like, I'll take him. And Boogie beat him up. And then I beat up their other tough guy the next shift. <laughs> It was really funny. <laughs> but, but, but did you, would you guys like what, do rock, paper, scissors to see who's going to go? What, did, what would you guys do? Well, you know what? It was kind of like you and Dennis Bonvi in the minors where I think Derek was worried about me taking his spot. So he would always grab the tough guy. I remember we played St. Louis one time and I hit DJ King and I was trying to get to when Boogie came in and grabbed him. And I was like, ah, okay. Like, and so I think he was a little bit worried about losing his spot on the team. So he really wanted yeah. to cement his stat. Not that he needed to. He was like untouchable at that point. But yeah, he was a tough cat, man. Tough, tough guy. Yeah. Another tough. I, I want to talk about Chara because he's my height. Why did you guys fight twice in one game? Like just. Oh, man. Why? You're going you're gonna to laugh about this one, man. This one is a crazy story. Okay. <laughs> I've chased Chara my entire career. I've always wanted to fight him. Me all, too. Always. You Me too? too. I've asked him a f- bunch of times and he never says yes. He just doesn't yeah. say a word. I would chase him. I would hit him. I'd go after him. He always said no. One time I'm with, I'm, I'm, I'm with Pittsburgh and we're playing, uh, we're playing uh, Boston. We're up 5 nothing in Boston. Chara goes and then there's another face-off and, and I'm down a face-off. We're beating him easy. And he's like, George, let's go. And I was like, oh, my God, he wants to go. I can't believe Char wants to go. So we're squaring up, right, right in the face off. And you would know it better than anyone. What does a guy do if a guy wants to fight, get the five-minute major and pulling the shoe? What does a guy do, John? Oh, he just pulls you down. Yes. He grabbed my jersey. Yeah. And he pulls me on top of him to make it look like he lost his balance and I fell on top of him. Yeah. That's called pulling the shoe. Yeah. Everyone on the ice knew what he did. I even had the pictures from the photograph, the sequence of him grabbing my jersey and going on his back. When he did that, I yelled at him. I said, what are you doing? I told the referee, don't give us five minutes for this. You gave, it, you gave it us two minutes, we're going again. As I try, are you kidding me? <laughs> and then I'm yelling, I'm in a penalty bench, we're going again. It's like, okay, 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 okay. So we're in a penalty bench for two minutes. So the two minutes gone, we go back up there again to fight. And he does the same thing again. He pulls the shoot again. Guys on my team, we call him a pussy. They call him every name in the book. Even his teammates, I think they were embarrassed because it was so obvious yeah. that he's pulling the shoot. All he wanted is a five-minute major with me, Against but you. he didn't want to engage. Yeah. And, I remember, and I remember, like, after the fight, he looked at his bench and it was like this, kind of like, I did my job. Come on, guys. Let's go wake up. And I didn't see any of his teammates, like, clapping no. their stick. They know. Like, yeah. yeah, guys, you can't – guys in the NHL know enough. 
when, like, because they've seen Char fight. If he fought yeah. smaller guys, he would grab them and just pummel guys. With me, grab my jersey and pull me on top of him twice. Yeah. Yeah. That's his MO. If he fights a guy who he thinks can beat him up, he throws one big punch and then he goes down. With you, he didn't even want to throw a punch. He just took no. you down. And, and you know what's crazy? Chara is probably in NHL history the strongest guy yeah. that I've ever played in the NHL. I remember guys telling me story. He could do like 70 chin-ups. Like he's a no workaholic machine. Oh, yes. He led guys the Bruins every year. Like That's he, incredible he for a, that wingspan. It, oh, man. The bench prep, the weight-wise, the stuff that he would do, he's a Like strength-wise, he's the strongest guy. Guys would say hands down. But he just – and obviously it wasn't job, his job to fight. But, man, if he wanted to, man, and he really like – he could be. He could have been even be a bigger force and even more intimidating because all the big guys knew that he just didn't like it. Well, that just further solidifies your point. Where like, to be a fighter, you got to be a special, uh, a special breed. It takes a certain yeah. type of personality to get to be a fighter because that guy could literally wipe the wipe the league up if if he really yeah. wanted to, and he just doesn't have oh, it in yes. his head. He doesn't have yeah. it. That's so true. that's funny. All right, George, man, this was great. You got anything else you want to you want to talk about on, for our listeners? Anything? Man, there's so many things that we could talk about that uh, I have to think of because <laughs> there's so many. At, oh, I'm We're gonna have to have you back for sure. Well, we'll have you back. Great. Actually, I'll, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll give I'll give you another anecdote. It's pretty funny. With you know Brent Myers. Yeah. You know the anecdote with me and him. No. Okay. This actually this one is crazy. Um, Brent Myers, when you know, uh, when he came back in the NHL uh, after he, he fought all these demons and everything, yeah. he got a trial with Calgary, right? And uh, his dad was back, and everybody was all happy he was going to be back in the league after struggling with with uh, with uh, al- uh, alcohol and stuff like this. So, and it happens that that game that he was going to have in his coming back was against us, against the Oilers, and I kind of figured that. You know, in his first game back, we probably would fight. And I was like, man, I I don't want to fight him. It's an exhibition game. It doesn't count. But I know that there's a good chance that it's going to happen. So anyway, in the morning skates in Calgary, we, we practiced second. The media came to me after the morning skate. They're like, George, uh, you know, we just talked to uh, Mizey and uh, he said he's going to go after you tonight. And I was like, <laughs> What? And I was like, yeah, yeah, he's going to go you tonight. So what do you think about it? I was so mad, John, when they told me that. I didn't say much, but I was so mad that John, that, that Mizey said that to them, that after the morning skate, I went back to the hotel. I didn't eat the pregame meal. I went in my room. I grabbed my stuff. I went back to the rink. I sat in my stall, and I waited till game time. I was so mad. I wanted to kill him. Why were you mad that you I, said that? Because it's an unwritten rule. You don't do that. You don't go to the media and tell them that you're going you're gonna to go after someone knowing the anxiety that that does yeah. and having me think all day, why did he say that? And is he going to do something? I don't know. You know, it's already in your head, right? Yeah. If a guy is saying to the media, he's going after you, and the media goes and quote you, go ask you, you're like, my God, why did you do that? So you're even more worried. I already had anxiety, but when they say that to you, I'm like, you know, you could just ask me 
in a warm up or when I see him, but don't tell the media that. I never had a guy that did. I never had a situation like that ever. Yeah, I've never before. heard of that. So I'm like, I'm in the dressing room, and guys come back from the nap, right, coming to the rink, and they see me there. Just when they look at my face, they're like, "Oh God, we're not talking to George." I've never been like this before, and it's an exhibition game. So we go on the ice. Mizey's there. We fight. I punched him twice, and that's his last game that he's ever played. I'm not proud of it, but I broke his face. He had to get—he almost lost his eye. He had to get surgery and metal plates in his face. And I called him in the hospital. I was like, you know, Mizey, I'm sorry. I hope you're okay. He was never able to play again after that. But I was like, why did you tell the media? that uh you wanted to go after me like and then he said i did it they stuff. just made it up <laughs> he said george are you kidding me i didn't do it i would never do that no i, didn't do it. I was like what so i went to the media i was just and joking. The media, i said the media said yeah we're just joking we just we just wanted to see a fight no I, way i wanted to kill him because oh. of a joke that the media Oh that my retired Brent, that retired Brent Myers, man. Wow. Because of a joke, a stupid joke. That's because they incredible. wanted to see it. They wanted to see a fight. Because oh. it probably it oh. probably wouldn't have happened. Because his dad is there, it's his first game back. You really want to get into a fight when you first game back, exhibition game, and that you welcome back in the NHL and you're gonna go and fight me in a game that wow. doesn't count. Oh, Oh my goodness, that's crazy, huh? a crazy and that's, story. And, and, that's, and that's one of the only times that I fought mad in the NHL. Because other than that, I never fought mad. Wow. And I fought mad because of a joke. That's unbelievable. Wow. Yeah. That's a good antidote, George. We, we got to end it on that one. That's insane. Yeah, it is insane, man. Well, you it can't, there's nothing you could do about that. You can't feel bad about that it's yourself. Not, why? I, I feel bad because the guy, even, even Marzi wrote a book. And there's a chapter he talks about it, about about this last fight that we had together. Uh, he didn't talk about the media thing because it would have been too long, but there's a couple pages that he talks about the last fight that they had together, and it's actually pretty descriptive, and it's pretty uh, it's pretty awesome. His book, he, he, it's painkiller than the book that he wrote, and it's amazing. But the best book out there is your book, John. Oh, stop. John Scott book. <laughs> Everyone, if you didn't get it yet, you got to get it, man. You are that very... is the book to get, man, because that guy <laughs> is an all-star. I got to get you as my hype man <laughs> hey, everywhere I go. I know, seriously. How many, how many tough guys uh, guy won the car in the all-star game? I mean, That's unbelievable. But I don't many? know, George. <laughs> you're too kind. You're None. making me blush. But it's true. Yeah. It's and, and you know, it, you know, it's crazy because because we did the job. I love the fact that you went, and I love the fact that you had success. Because it's what we do, man, is a brotherhood. We're brothers for life. Yeah. And I was so happy and so proud of him when you did so. And that's why, John, from now on, anything you do in life, I don't care what it is. I don't care what time it is. I don't care how crazy it is. If you need me, don't ask. Tell me when. I'm in. Whenever All you right. want. For whatever. September in Montreal. Let's do it. I'm in. All right. Awesome, brother. Awesome. I'll be there running with you, Georgie boy. Well, listen, thank you for doing the show. You're a class act. This was awesome. Tim, you got anything to add? No, thanks so much. The stories are great. We're definitely going to have to have you back again. 
Thanks for listening to Dropping the Gloves with John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. We'll talk to you next week. Cheers.